Hey, it's Phil Simon. My new book is out now. It is called The Nine, The Tectonic Forces Reshaping the Workplace. It's my best work to date, and I hope that you'll check it out. Thanks. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Conversations about collaboration, episode 50. April Rinney joins me. She's the author of the excellent new book, Flux, Eight Superpowers for Thriving in Constant Change. We talk about the intensifying rate of change, agency, playlists, and the importance of letting go of the future. Let's rock and roll. April, where does this pod find you? Hello. This podcast finds me in Portland, Oregon, in the Pacific Ooh. Northwest. How's it going over there? Is it is the air quality decent? I was yes, it's actually a beautiful day. It's one of those days like this is the best time of the year here when the sky is clear and it is and also as you probably have gathered uh, we've been having some unseasonably warm temperatures and today it is that beautiful cool kind of want to go outside. Mm. Well, let's get right into it. And congratulations on the book. If we want to riff on the weather, we can do that because even the weather's in flux. Indeed. And <laughs> reading the book and, and watching your, your TEDx talk, I'm thinking to myself, you know, there isn't a whole lot that's actually stable these days. Say more. You're absolutely right. And as I like to say, um, you know, there is more that's in flux these days than is not. And that plays out kind of any layer of abstraction you wish to take it. Individual lives, organizations are in flux, climate is in flux, weather patterns, financial markets, politics, democracy, take your pick. So what is really interesting to me is that you take whatever topic someone's interested in and you riff on it. But the the concept that I'm kind of going after, it's not about 2020. It's not about a pandemic. Um, it's about really thinking through and reshaping our relationship to change and a world in flux to be more fit for the future. You could write a book about that. I could. I did. Yeah. I, and so many things raced through my mind, uh, one of which was right on the front of my website for years, uh, long before I, I read your book. I've had the, I'm a big fan of quotes. And mm-hmm. I think this one is actually mine, although I'm sure someone said something similar at some point. But we have to start being, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is definitely a theme that I picked up on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, all kinds of sort of tensions and paradoxes that we can riff on here, um, patiently impatient, certain uncertainty. That's probably the best one. Like Permanent that, impermanence, I saw you mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this notion that the future is somehow going to be more stable, more predictable, more certain. It's like nothing could be further further from the truth. But the crux of the message I want to underscore is that's not a bad thing. That's actually really exciting if you can wrap your head around it and start to see opportunities that might have missed you before. You can sort of lean into the unknown as opposed to racing and just wanting that known, that certainty so badly. And so so it's really an uplifting message, but it does require us to really do some do some work, you could say. Get clear um, on your relationship to change today, what it looks like and how it may need to improve 
based on, you know, the world that I think a lot of people wish we lived in or that the that society tells us we should live in versus the world that we actually do live in, which is quite different in terms of um, when it comes to things like expectations and assumptions and, you know, the stories that describe the world um, that we live in. Yeah. I mean, when I think about an opportunity to learn a new software application or a feature in an existing application or just learn a new fact, mm-hmm. I like that because I feel like it keeps me young. And when I put my mm-hmm. head on a pillow at night to do what I call sleep, what most people wouldn't, um, I learned something. But I know that that, whether people would admit it or not, actually does scare a lot of folks, right? So when I was watching the TED Talk and I, uh, you were talking about Mongolia, I'm thinking to myself, three t- was it three times a year, four times a year, just pick mm-hmm. up and move? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I heard a stat from Colin Coward's podcast about how, I think it was something like 57% of Americans have never lived in another state. And I yeah. think Mongolia, America, talk about different <laughs> sides of a coin. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about it more broadly. Or like, that's fabulous. It's a great jumping off point. And, and not to say think about it more broadly. You are already. What I mean to say is if we all kind of zoom out and just think about where does your relationship to change come from and where does it start? It starts really, really early. It starts based on how you're raised the assumptions and expectations and who raises you and what kind of environment, what things are, are you exposed to? Um, And what I love is this isn't about good or bad or better or worse. Like this is what I call our script. And each person on the planet has a script when it comes to the norms and narratives and stories we tell ourselves about the world we live in, but also our role in it. And everyone's script is different because everyone's lived experience is different. But it does include something about how you were taught to think about, feel about, behave around change. So were you taught, and this is where, you know, Mongolia, if you're raised in an environment where you're moving constantly, that sort of change doesn't fuss you at all. It's actually considered quite normal. But another kind of change, like you or I might take for granted, could also be really unraveling. Uh, really unnerving for someone who's in Mongolia. Um, And there are many different kinds of change, right? So I think the way I often like to tee this up is that um, we tend to love those kinds of changes that we opt into, right? I can choose to be in a relationship or take a trip or um, get a new job, you know, those sorts of things. But it's the changes that we can't control and the changes that are unexpected that completely um, unravel us and often make us fearful and, and anxious. And so that we sort of start there and pull on that thread and it takes us in really interesting places. I completely agree. And I think, was it Peter Senge from design theory mm-hmm. fame? Mm-hmm. It said basically people hate change unless it's their idea. And I remember in my consulting days, uh, many times realizing that I didn't, I wasn't there to tell them the right answer. I was mm-hmm. there to get them to realize that their answer was right, which in some cases happened to be mine, but the level of buy-in was remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And another way I've often heard it said is we tend to, people tend to love change. We hate being changed, right? So we, we love the noun, we hate the verb. And I'm not sure that's the answer either, but it's a neat framing when you think about it, because to your point, um, it really does get to, at the end of the day, our ability, do we perceive, I'm not saying we have this, but do we perceive that we have some ability to opt into this change? Even if it's hard change, even if it's change we don't want, is there some way that we can feel like we have 
you know, for lack of a better term, agency around it. And I think that's why a lot of the last 12 to 18 months has been so hard for people is that it's very hard to look at any kind of, you know, agency around a global pandemic. Okay. To some degree. And we can talk about, you can't control what, what you can't control, um, what happens, but you can control how you respond. You can't control the outcome, but you can control whether and how you contribute to an outcome you'd like to see, which again is a kind of agency. It's a kind of ability to opt in. But there are ways that you can sort of train yourself, even if it's a situation that on the surface feels like you have no control over, you do actually have some control, again, over what you make of it. Do you see it as um, a threat? Do you see it as, you know, doomsday and this is horrible? Why did this happen to me? Or do you look at it and say, what what is this trying to teach me? And what are the ways that this could actually help me grow? Mm. So against this backdrop of constant change, which reminds me of um, one of my favorite lines from one of my favorite Rush songs, Tom Sawyer, he knows changes, um, change is not permanent. Changes aren't permanent, but change is. Mm. You can write a book Mm -hmm. about that sentence, Mm -hmm. Um, not to turn this into a discussion about vaccines and anti-masking, but do you think to some extent, some of the folks who won't get the shot or wear a mask are trying to exercise some agency in a world that is experiencing so much change. This is their one little microaggression or rebellion. Mm, Perhaps. Yeah. And quick side note, um, I can share this with you and with others, uh, with your audience later. Um, I have a flux playlist. So I actually have three and a three and a half hours of songs about change from around the world. So right, I'm um, going to link on, to that in the description. It's on Spotify. Yeah, it's on Spotify and people love it. It's it's really, honestly, and it's all genres, all eras. It's really, I got to say, I'm pretty proud of it. And it was largely crowdsourced. So okay. um, back, so from playlists back to vaccines, um, to some degree, yes. I think what's really interesting to me, the the debates about vaccines and masks and so forth, There is very much a cultural component here of how we are taught to think about and relate to change. And it's fascinating because if we look globally, a lot of the cultures and, you know, caveat, yes, this is a generalization. But if you go to these places, rest assured, this is what locals would say, too. On the whole, you know, lots of places in Asia and the the East, if you will, have a very collectivist culture, right? And so when change hits, they're really worried about, is the whole going to be okay? And in the West, broadly speaking, it's more of an individualist culture. So when change hits, are you going to be okay? And this plays out. It's really fascinating. I've I've lived and worked in Asia over the years and, um, you know, pre-pandemic, like you, you are raised wearing a mask. Kids wear masks, not to protect themselves, but to protect the community. So pandemic is sort of like, well, this is what we've always been doing. And then you get into the individualist cultures. And that's where what you're describing comes up. And this sense of it is my right to decide what is best for me when change hits. The challenges were in situations where we're actually putting the community at risk. It's mm-hmm. it's that, that classic conflict between me and we and what's going to win out. And yes, exhibiting your agency is sort of like saying me, not necessarily we. But, um, you know, I think there are it, it's there's the ability to say, I could choose to not wear a mask. I could choose, like, I have that agency to do that. But there's another step in that that is also like, I could choose to do that. 
And I'm actually going to realize that the well-being of community, the well-being of society has an interest at stake here too. Couldn't agree more. And I'd like to segue when it comes to agency into the general topic of this pod, which is collaboration. Mm-hmm. One of the topics that's come up a bunch of different times is this notion that, well, why can't people use whatever tool in the workforce they want? And my mm-hmm. argument has been, it isn't just about you, mm-hmm. right? Because you're not in all likelihood, and you write about this in the book, going to work at this place forever. This is at 1950, mm-hmm. right? Is the knowledge that you're contributing, the decisions that you're making, the messages that you're sending in some sort of comprehensive knowledge repository that other people can access, not an inbox. It sounds like there's that me, we thing there. Well, I don't want to use a new tool or I don't want my team to use it. I want to use whatever the hell I want. I'm getting to your me, we thing. Such a good parallel. I make good analogies. Yeah. Well done. (laughs) I told you every conversation. Um, I learned something too, because this notion of flux, we can, we can take it in so many different directions, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. And, you know, at the end of the day too, and again, back to the individualist versus collectivist cultures, I'm not saying that one is better and one is worse. I'm not saying that one is good and one is bad. I'm saying each one has its pros and cons, right. but we really need to better understand what's driving a particular decision and what are, you know, also, I think what are, what are the short-term versus long-term um, risks and benefits at stake? Because oftentimes, you know, we sort of want to cash in on this like short-term, I don't want to do that. Well, long-term, you're going to pay a price. Sure. Um, you know, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. I can remember sometimes in my career, I would do something the hard way because let's say, I don't know, it was a particular new application. It would take me longer, but that would pay off when it was a bigger task versus, yes, I could spend four minutes manually fixing this, right? Or I could write a piece of code that does that not just for four, but for 400,000, which at which point doing it one but manually doesn't make any sense. Oh, I love this because you've just, in a counterintuitive way, which is great because each of the eight flux superpowers is counterintuitive in its own way. Um, this starts to, what you've just described also starts to bump up a little bit against the first superpower, which is run slower. And not that what you just described is running slower, but it takes more time. Mm-hmm. It takes more time, but it works much better. That is an example of this, you know, it's a, it's a counter to what is, I think, unfortunately, much more common in society, which is like, when the pace of change quickens, we need to run faster. We need to keep up, keep up, keep up, run faster, faster, faster. Well, I'm here to tell you, and you know this. Like the pace of change has never been as fast as it is today. And yet it's likely to never again be this slow. Yeah. That kind of blew my mind when yeah. I heard you say that. It, and when you let that sink in, exactly. It, it's it's sort of exciting. And I would say it's also sort of terrifying <laughs> because of, again, this script that society tells us when the pace of change increases, you need to run faster. That is where it's to be found. Well, as a futurist, I'm sitting here looking at this going, all right, so I'm already running pretty fast today, faster than I'd like to be. And you're telling me that tomorrow, however fast I'm running today, tomorrow's going to be faster. Next week's going to be faster. Next year's going to be faster. Like, hold on. Like, what kind of life is this that like, and this is not a work-life balance thing. This is like, life is the unit. (laughs) This is not how humans were designed to live. And the biggest risk that we run is that we run straight past life. And so- Yeah, I bring this up because back to your example, some things may take a little longer, 
you may need to actually in in your own way you're still working hard on that code you're still running to develop that code but you're taking the time needed to build it well that is you know exactly the kind of thing we need more of in society not this kind of chasing the next thing and running 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 just just because other people tell us that we need to be running it's like this is this is exhaustion and burnout at best the bigger risk that we face is that no one, no one reaches their full potential as humans. And to your point about collaboration, if we can't show up as individuals um, with that sense of sustainability, a sustainable pace of life, it's much, much, much harder to collaborate with others well as well. Yeah, you're dead on about the pace of change. In 2014, I think it was The Economist put up a really cool chart that showed how over time, I don't know if you saw this one, I see you nodding your head. But the rate at which we've adopted transformative technologies Mm -hmm. has exploded and they broke it down by year. So I think it was something like 46 years for the telephone to reach 25% of the United States population. And it kept dropping and dropping. And with the internet, I think it was 12 or 13. And and Facebook, I think, was uh, seven or eight. And and Mm -hmm. the uh, smartphones were even fewer than that. I'm completely butchering it. But I show this to my students and I've given, I've shown that graph when I've given some talks. Yeah. This is the trend. Now it's yeah. possible that things slow down a little bit because you're right. You, you, or what was it? One game a couple of years ago, it had a billion users in a week. It was something insane. Yeah. I forget. What the was it? I forget. It's funny. You think about something just like clubhouse in the last year. Yes. Like, it didn't exist. I mean, it existed a year ago now, fine, but it didn't exist 18 months ago and boom. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And you're, you're spot on. And, and the way that I've often framed it um, just at that, like more meta level is just, okay. If we think about industrial revolutions and the first industrial revolution took uh, roughly a hundred years for its impacts and implications to be felt, right? That's five generations of people. Now that was a seismic shift at its time, but a hundred years, it's a while to play out, right? And now we are in the supposed fourth industrial revolution da, 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 and we don't know exactly how long we're still in the midst of it, right? But pretty safe to say it's gonna take 10 years, maybe 20 kind of thing. Um, the, the amount of transformation and the amount of disruption and the amount of change that is compressed into effectively less than one generation is massive. And again, it's not something that humans are particularly well ad- adapted to, to embrace, to absorb in that period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff, April. I'll get you out of here on this. What book are you currently reading? What book am I currently reading? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'm somebody, usually I read only one book at a time, but right now after having written a book, I've got all of these other books that are kind of on my shelf that have been sitting there waiting there. Um, I am reading, not surprisingly, Adam Grant's Think Again, which has some great overlaps. Um, I'm also, yeah, it's great. And I am also reading, rereading actually, because it does show up in my book, um, The Body Keeps the Score by um, Vanderkolk, which is all about, is actually more about mental health and trauma and how, as the, as the title um, indicates, how our bodies keep the score of our overall well-being and how often we don't pay attention to them. April, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, 
If you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. Remember that these episodes drop every Tuesday. However, if you'd like early access to them, you're in luck. I've launched a Patreon page for this podcast at, wait for it, patreon.com forward slash Phil Simon. I've set up a number of different tiers, including early access and podcast sponsorships. Thanks for listening to Conversations About Collaboration. If you like what you heard, then how can you not? Please download, like, and or subscribe. See you next time.